0: Time to talk the world game, the world's favourite game with Carlos Alberto Diego from the Four Diegos. And you can always call us, and Carlos is also a dog lover <laughs> for the Melbourne Dog Lovers Show. Celebrate our best friends. It's the World Cup of Dogs from May, <laughs> from May 5th to May 7th yeah. at the Royal Exhibition Building. Uh, the, the, get on the dog and bone. Give us a call 9, 4, 2, 9, 11, 16.
1: Oh. Apparently, the dogs simulate. During the dog show, they they look for the you know for the free kicks and uh, the extra points. Diving dogs. Uh, apparently they, they you know they take advantage of the cuteness at times. You know,
0: ba- barking for other dogs yeah. to be given red cards. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, big morning as well in the Champions League before we talk uh, everything that's going on with the A League finals coming up. But uh, massive night, mm. Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, Scored his 100th Champions League goal, a lazy 100 for the great Portuguese. Uh, But in controversial circumstances because Real Madrid managed to get through uh, against Bayern Munich despite some really, really rough (laughs) calls. Talk talk people through what went on.
1: Yeah, of course, there was two... uh, Look, the Germans, Bayern Munich, did really well to basically mirror the score that uh, they ended up with in the first leg. Uh, 2-1 after full-time, so three all... Yeah, uh, uh, with one uh, away goal each uh, after full-time. So I had to go into extra time. And during that extra time period, sorry, just before the extra time, in the 83rd minute, Arturo Vidal was sent off. Shopkins. Non-existent yellow. Absolutely non-existent yellow card. That was my biggest problem out of all the decisions this morning. But that one there, they went down to 10 men, had to play extra time. And of course, a team like Real Madrid on their home patch, uh, they were always going to look likely to score. And of course, Cristiano Ronaldo got his He's uh, two goals in extra time to make it a hat-trick. But the two were shrouded in controversy around uh, offside uh, rulings. And uh, but having a close look at it and, uh, and you know people having to go at linesmen and, and the referees for the offsides, for me, they were so, so tight. And with the naked eye... Especially the, the second one, I think, where, where the fullback sort of came back in and almost you know moved at the same time the ball was kicked. And uh, if you look at it closely, uh, an assistant referee at that point in time, that's a tough decision. What it needed was a vase or a, a, some sort of video technology, and they would have picked it up straight away. And of course, the third one where Marcello made that fantastic run and uh, laid a square ball off to Ronaldo, which he sort of just poked it in from there, but that was slightly offside too. So both of those, I think, would have been solved with technology. But the send-off for me, that changed the whole complexion of the game. Going in to an extra time period with 10 men, Against a, a rampant uh, Real Madrid,
0: because Bayern Munich also played with ten for a huge yes. track to the first league as well. I mean, yeah. You don't want to be playing yeah. Real Madrid two times in a row with ten.
1: No, no absolutely, if you yeah. can avoid. Yeah, it. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just an idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I mean, that's when they run right. But it was interesting. Uh, the first goal that Ronaldo scored. Uh, you know, uh, Boateng and also Alarm. Alarm's one of the best fullbacks in the world. But the space they afforded him. You know, in and around the penalty box, where I think it was a header in the end that he put it away. That really surprised me. That almost zonal demarking against. Someone like a Ronaldo outside the box or in a, in a goal-scoring position really bamboozled me a little bit uh, with that one. But, look, it was a fantastic game, but uh, a lot of talking points out of it, that's for sure.
0: So they are on course to defend uh, their Champions League title. And I think of the, uh, the era of the UEFA Champions League, we have not had back-to-back champions.
1: Uh, Oh, well, I don't have a list in front of me right now. Someone
0: can ring up and and contradict me, but I think in the old European Cup era, we did have back-to-back champions and and numerous examples of that. But I think in the the Champions League format era, we haven't had a team that's uh, done it two years in succession. Yeah,
1: if anyone would have done it, because they were so dominant for such a long time, uh, it was Barcelona under Um, Pep Guardiola, but I'm not sure. I don't have that in front of me, but uh, they were certainly in finals. uh, I mean, uh, what uh, in with Atletico Madrid we'll talk about in a moment, they've made three semi semi-finals in a row and two cup finals in the the Last three years. So uh, they tend to, the, the great teams tend to make it to the finals, whether they win back to back or whether they, you know, uh, you know are runners up, uh, I suppose will depend on that year.
0: 9 4, 2, 9 11 16. If you want to join the conversation about that game or indeed Leicester's uh, brave, lucky mm. effort coming to an end at the King Power Stadium last night at the hands of uh, the uh, the team from Madrid. I, lo- I really love Atletico Madrid because, you know, yeah. they're the Consider this not the poor cousin. Well, yeah, they are to Real Madrid in a sense. They've always been uh, the the, uh, the smaller unit in town, but their consistency and their ability to make uh, the back ends of playoffs, big finals, has been extraordinary.
1: In the image of the you talk about junkyard dogs, uh, Diego the junkyard. Yeah, yeah, just the image of him. Uh, if you know, it's, they were probably the worst team. It might seem weird because you've got Juventus in, you know, in this stage, you've got Barcelona, it's like, yeah, Barcelona. you've got um, you know, Real Madrid uh, and you've got Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid was probably the worst team that Leicester uh, were really uh, fixed you to play against because they were there for the fight this morning they rocked up to Kin Power, not underestimating Leicester. They were there to battle, and uh, and whereas the other teams may have taken them a little bit lighter, lightly, and uh, of course they got the more talent, they may have overcome them that way. But uh, the, the best chance Leicester had was for some team uh, to be complacent against them, and Athletic and were never going to be complacent, and it was such a battle. But I ask you, Francis, is Leicester City the best? exponent of the of the uh, you know direct game of football in in the world at the moment you know that direct uh, you know that uh, chasing down the opposition chasing down lost causes because it's scary what they would have done in the English Premier League this year if they'd got it right from the start with their managers and so forth. But really, in the last three months, or uh, two months or so, in the Champions League and also in the league, they're they actually you know very very good, and they're a team that's going to be really really hard to beat. They would have been hard to beat in the English Premier League too.
0: Yeah, yeah they are. They play that long ball and they chase, as you said. They've got Rio Mares and and uh, you know. Jamie Barty's back to some of his best forms. Yeah. who I scored again this morning, and their, their spirit's back. But that's all their work, I think. It's a mystery why it disappeared the way that it did. But uh, uh, they'll stay up, and they'll rematch yep. with the forces. I'll probably appoint a new manager, you'd imagine. Craig Shakespeare's not going to hang on to that job.
1: Well, you never know. I mean, the play, look, the players seem like they've got some sort of uh, you know influence in that club, and uh, and it just it, it's hard to ignore him. After I mean, he literally turned around the minute Ranieri was sacked, and they had gone on a on a winning run and a, and i think they've lost one in the english premier league since that time. Uh, they Jordan, look exactly like the team yeah, that won the they title. They did. Actually. That's why i'm just thinking you know, you know why wouldn't you it's all about that player and the spirit if you can keep that playing group together uh you know everyone would thought there was kante in the end there was uh, the reason why they they died but obviously they weren't happy. Uh there's obviously a special way of uh, managing that lot and uh, and craig shakespeare's been able to tap into that and they're showing it. And Golikante has been, mm. for me, the player of the season. Absolutely, though,
0: Chelsea. Yeah. He's absolutely uh, justified his his move and uh, might become back-to-back champions, though there's, uh, that gap has closed significantly mm. in the last couple of weeks. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen To number Carlos Alberto Diego with us, talking the world game. Ronaldo, the first player to score 100 goals in the Champions League era. Um, yep. and, uh, and we're still being sort of booed and hissed by some of his own fans during this game, because the suggestion was he wasn't working hard enough off the ball. What does he have to do to Mm -hmm. prove that he's possibly the greatest player of all time?
1: Uh, And is that an unfair assessment to make of him now? Yeah, probably use less gel, Francis. It's nothing to do with his football. It's uh, it's just the way, I suppose, he parades himself. It's the way he, um, you know, he's really that modern footballer who enjoys the riches of, of football. Uh, he's super, super confident and tells the world he is. Uh, he's a bit of, bit of a prima donna. Uh, you know, he sulks at times when he needs to. But look, he he's, you know, I asked you off air, you know, is he the best ever? You know, where, where's he in the pantheon of, uh, of the greatest footballers? He's where is the, he right now? He's definitely
0: in the conversation.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. When you score 100 champion leads, leads go, uh, league goals and also, you know, for eight years straight at Real Madrid, he scored 30-plus goals. Uh, he scored more goals than De Stefano at the Bernabeu now, 251 goals. I mean, th- this guy's uh, now just pure, pure weight of numbers. You've got to... Uh, recognise what he's done. Hasn't won a World
0: Cup, but did take
1: a fairly average Portuguese team to winning the, uh, the
0: uh, European trophy last year.
1: Yeah, no, a lot of people argue that too. and uh, But I don't know whether he led the way as a talisman. So uh, for me, and people have heard this over and over in the, in the history of SEN whenever this comes up, for me, Diego Maradona, 1986, he absolutely led and won a World Cup off his own boot uh, by leading an average... Or a poor Argentinian side at that time, uh, when he was playing for Naples, uh, for Napoli in in Italy, uh, they won the Scudetto. They were going deep into UEFA Cups and things like that, and uh, and it was all because of him. So where does Cruyff fit into it? Even though he played in
0: two great Dutch teams in seventy four and seventy eight, they didn't win anything. But really yeah. consider him to be you know a revolutionary when it came to the way the game was played. Yeah, uh, look for and me, at Barcelona. Uh, as well. Yeah,
1: uh, look if you're asking me about Croy for Maradona, because I, I put Maradona ahead of say of Cristiano Ronaldo and ahead of a Messi. Maybe by the end of their career, they might surpass him. But right now, I think Maradona at his best was better than all those guys. I still think Maradona was better than Cruyff. Cruyff certainly influenced the game afterwards with his philosophy of play, what he did at Barcelona, the Dutch teams. I mean, the guy was almost a coach on the field. But as far as a leader of men and a bloke who would, you know, would win games off his own boot, that's Diego Maradona oh, for me. Above Pelé. Well, you know, I have to argue gets my dad here. It's a generational thing, isn't yeah, it? yeah, I didn't see enough of uh, Pelé. Uh, so you start searching for reasons why they, he may not, have as, may, may not have been as good as a Diego Maradona. I think the way the football was played in the 50s and 60s was very different from the way it was played. The cynical nature of the 80s and 90s. Uh, they've cleaned it up a little bit now with a, you know, getting rid of the tackle from behind. But when Maradona was doing his stuff, the tackle behind was uh, almost applauded at different times. Uh, the glory days of the yeah. tackle from behind. <laughs> Mind. Absolutely. So, so look, you know, there'd be people out there screaming at their radios saying, what are you talking about, Carlos? But me, Diego Maradona, uh, the mid-80s, was, and I did spend some time over in Naples too during that time and watched him live. And I just thought, you know, I suppose that impacts your uh, your, your. your you and know, if you ask Maradona, he will too. tell you that he was better than Pelé. <laughs> well, Pelé will tell you. The only reason why they had, when they had a poll, uh, because it was an internet poll, Palais will tell you, well, that's the only reason why Maradona won it, because it was an internet poll, and that's you know, for the modern-day fans.
0: Yeah, and Diego was sitting there clicking away. <laughs> Carlos Alberto, Diego, talking the world game with us here on eleven 16 SEN. And as I said, SEN will be broadcasting the A-League quarterfinal between Melbourne City and Perth. Glory from Amy Park on Sunday night. After we finish up with the Hawks and the Eagles, I'll be there with Grant Bredner and Jonathan Howcroft bringing you the coverage of that one. Uh, last Sunday was it Sunday night? No, lost track of the days, Uh They played an in- insane game <laughs> against the They Finished five yeah. four.
1: Both had to win. Both teams had to win. But what worries me, uh, of course, Perth had to score four go- four clear goals. Uh, had to have a four clear goal win against City to to uh, get, actually a, home get a home final. And uh, what worried me is they both both teams had to win. But at one stage, Perth were four one up when they both had to win. So, um, and look, at the end, it ended up 5-4 because there was no midfield. and William basically Reddy was, the yeah, goalkeeper was up on the halfway yeah, line
0: yeah. trying to play his way forward.
1: Yeah, I, I, was, I was a bit worried that this game was being broadcast to the world on some channel somewhere because it would have been embarrassing for Australian football for people to watch that last 15 minutes or so. Uh, well, I
0: think Tim Cahill said he was a little embarrassed,
1: wasn't he? I, I'm not sure. He said it was a mess yeah. at the end. He was Like, he was asked and he said, no, that was a total mess. And I don't think he would have played in games like that. It was like playing at the park and no one to play in defence in that last 15 minutes or so. Uh, But the worry for me, if you're looking to get anything out of that game, was the fact that Perth, when the game was there to be won, uh, especially halfway through that second half, they were 4-1 up. And that was... uh, But look, all credit to Tim Cale himself and Bruno Fornaroli and a few others, they sort of clawed back to 5-4 to save some face. Uh, But look, I think it'll be a very, very different game in Melbourne. Uh, you know, this is where the experience of the Tim Cale, Bruno Fornaroli Kilkenny, these sort of guys, I think they'll get into game mode. It was, a, like I said, it was a mess over in, in Perth. It was one of those games, uh, but I think that they'll be right this weekend.
0: 9 4 two, 9 11 16 if you want to talk about that or what else has been happening around the world. I mean, it was interesting to watch uh, the way that, um, that Kenny Lowe deals with his team. Have you ever <laughs> seen a coach or a manager who's more physically involved <laughs> in their job? Like, yeah. It's like he plays every kick and yeah. every header and and every and He's he's like a ro- it's like this it's like an aerobics class in in the technical area. Yeah, and it's not something. He heads you, the ball. Yeah, he's
1: jumping around. Yeah, there, there's um there's a there's a number of world football coaches out there at the highest level who are like that. I I don't think you can. Uh, you know, I think if you're a coach, you just got to be who, who you are. are. You can't just suddenly sit and be motionless on your seat if you're that type of coach. You so, can just
0: get one of those really big Arsene style zip-up beanbags yeah. and fiddle with you. <laughs> fiddle with the zip for right. 90 minutes because it won't yeah.
1: work. That's right. But I, look, I, yeah, look it, it's hard to watch him sometimes carry on. Uh, but the team, you know, I think the team mostly plays for him uh they, they, they had uh, moments this season where they you know had their periods where they were you know people thought they were going to drop away completely but they've made the finals now and they're they're a real chance on the weekend they're as dangerous as anyone coming to melbourne they've they've beaten um and done very well against victory and city over the years uh you know especially if they get into their defensive block and they break quickly and they turn over the ball in in really good areas for them and uh they've got the likes of Taggart. Keo Castro, these guys are dynamite, Harold a dynamite on the break uh, and that's what uh, Melbourne City you've got to be careful about
0: Victor get the week off and uh, that'll be welcome for them though
1: yeah, it's interesting because obviously they, I thought for about 70 minutes of the game on the weekend uh, against uh, Central Coast Mariners, Central Coast were just as good as them and the intensity for victory wasn't there, but then they scored that goal. Barisha got his 100th and almost uh, you, you sensed the momentum building. Uh, the crowd was behind them. The, the players started creating more chances and they were running things down and tackling and I, I thought that was a really good indicator of what they're going to bring into the finals, but in, in many ways they probably didn't want to have a free weekend this weekend to get straight into this final series, so it'll be interesting to see what this this uh, week off does to, to that little bit of momentum they were building up against. They still Coast. have
0: a problem in midfield, don't they? Riyad yeah. Mahazi does uh, Rashid Mahazi does a, does a, a serviceable job playing in behind Tracy, but he doesn't have the creative edge that they really need to get that quick transition to allow Barisha to be in dangerous places, or even to utilise our flying Kiwi on the on the right hand side. and uh, and it's been noticeable how much Marco Rojas's game is sort of like ebbed away in the second half of the year. And Oliver yep. Bazanic you know, was never anyone's idea of the best marquee player that's ever played in the A League,
1: but. Well. I'm starting to
0: think that maybe it could have come in handy in the Yeah,
1: place, they're it? at their worst when there's gaps in that midfield where there's a big distance between the defence and forward uh, line and uh, and I thought against Central Coast they got so much joy in that midfield when they when they got possession because like I said there was gaps everywhere and I think that's partly res- the responsibility there is with the Ben Kalfalaz of this world who was subbed at half time uh, Barisha and Rojas to do their defensive work too so make sure you really close that gap in the midfield that's when they're at, at their best and then, you know just as I said about Perth, when they, when they turn that ball over, uh, the opposition turns the ball over in that situation, then you set you know, someone like a Rowhouse and a Berisha off. Uh, that's when they're really, really dangerous. So it's almost counter attacking from midfield. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just a work rate issue. I think it's just the intensity issue, but I'll, they'll bring that in the final. Absolutely.
0: As uh, Kevin Musket got his central pairing right in defence, uh, Donaghy s- seems to have won the... Uh, the nod over Nick Ansell for now, heading into the finals. He's played him in consecutive games and it's been, you know, in and out for the two of them for most of the season. They've each had a run at it.
1: Yeah, and Donnicky was uh, one of the best on the ground on the weekend. So uh, I think, uh, you know... He, he may have got the nod over Nick Ansell. His, look, Nick Ansell was the, was the, the blessed one, really. Uh, he's the one that, uh, when he's been fit, he's been rushed in there. Uh, but maybe he's just not at his best, and, uh, and that's why he's, uh, Donicky's uh, got the position over over him at the moment. Barrow's been really good from the start of the year, really consistent, uh, does his job, no nonsense. Uh, but that other centre-half uh, position has been up for grabs, and I think Donicky right now has got it. He has.
0: At a quarter to three, at the other game, the other elimination final release, really, Brisbane Raw and the Western Sydney Wanderers. The Raw involved in a really, another high-scoring game on the weekend as well, uh, which saw seven goals uh, scored. Brett Holman in great form uh, in that one, too, to to get uh, his team home and a 4-3 result over Wellington Phoenix. At home, Western Sydney Wanderers, what do you think?
1: Well, last year, uh, it, was, it was the... Uh, it was a uh, Major semi final, I think. Uh, I think uh, Brisbane at Pertec were three 0 up. and ended up losing five four. So I'm not sure where that's in their memory. That was another or not. amazing. Yeah, game. I know it was. But uh, I think at SunCorp uh, with McLaren, you know, scoring goals for fun at the moment, uh, it could be Broich's last game. Uh, that's going to be a bit of an emotional time for them because apparently they haven't, uh, haven't uh, offered him another contract for next season. I
0: think he's at the end, isn't he? We might yeah. talk about him after the next break, about his contribution. Yeah, and the
1: other one's Karuska too. Uh, they're, they're sort of similar for me in that way. But uh, I think they've got a lot to play for. They're a hard, hard team. Brett Holman now, I mean, he scored two crackers from downtown uh, on the weekend. I don't think there's a better player in Australian football. Then
0: why is he not available to the Socceroos?
1: I think that's his decision. I think he I retired. Yeah.
0: Surely the coach has got to build... A He's not finished as a footballer by any stretch of imagination.
1: Yeah, but I, look, I think he was part of that old, the uh, the, the previous uh, generation of footballers. And if you remember, Mark Swartzer uh, called time on his career before Ange could. And I think Brett Holman did the same. There were a few of them that turned around and said, I'm retiring now that Ange is coach and uh, so they weren't really considered so it's their own fault really but Brett Holman right now, he's, you know, if you look at the goal he scored against Serbia back in the 2010 World Cup uh, it was he, our,
0: I think he was our top scorer He in, was. Uh, in and, in uh, South Africa Yeah
1: and is there any better player that picks up the ball you know, around about the middle of the park and runs towards the defence and has a crack of about 25 uh, I don't think there's any better player in Australian football that can score from that distance than the way he does it. He scored two on the weekend like that and, uh, and it, it's something are quite normal for him to do, and he's he's over his injury problems, and um, he just seems to be, um, you know, in that sort of real in that real mood for finals football now.
0: Yeah, they're in a good place. The Western City Wanderers, well, to their credit, they've revived their season because it was going nowhere for well, for half longer than the, into the year than over the halfway mark, and suddenly they have found a way. But that two-two result against Adelaide, they finished the season pretty well too.
1: Well, they were two-nil down, and yep. I think it just shows that they. I did think they had too much to play for in that game. And for them to fight back from 2-0 down and almost win that game away from home, I think it shows the mood that they're in too. But I really, as much as I think Brisbane will probably beat them in Brisbane, I really want to see a Sydney derby in the, uh, in the uh, major, major finals and, and a Melbourne, Melbourne derby. derby. I would Could, love to would see it, those two. Yeah. They'd cross over, wouldn't they? Yeah, well, what happens is Sydney has to play the, uh, the, um, the lowest race, ranked yeah. team, which will be the West Sydney Wanderers, uh, hopefully – if they win, and uh, of course, uh, City will play um, the, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, Victory will play uh, the, that's right, the, City, uh, the highest ranked uh, winner, yeah. which will be City or Perth. Fascinating. Wouldn't yeah. that be amazing if we had two derbies? <laughs> Absolutely. Melbourne victory, yeah.
0: Melbourne City, and then Western Sydney was in Sydney FC. Thomas Breusch, Maybe some more football post to Brisbane, or I would personally be disappointed. A little bit sad to see him running around in a poor Central Coast Mariners or Newcastle Jets team next year. Yeah, he's well, been it's such. He's been so important yeah. to uh, soccer football in, in Australia in the last ten years,
1: and, and he genuinely loves Brisbane. It, it, the reason why you know from the quotes today in the in the media was that uh, he hasn't been offered a uh, contract by. Um, by John Aloisi at, at Brisbane. Uh, John Aloisi's response to him asking was, look, we're not, we're not sure yet. We have to wait and see. And for him, he needs to make a decision himself. 36 years of age. Uh, I think they would have alerted a couple of clubs. I think he'd be terrific for Central Coast, uh, terrific for Newcastle. I understand what you're saying. It'd be really sad seeing him play for another club after what he's done for Brisbane. But if he's still got the hunger in the, in the belly, I suppose he can go to India and play at the, uh, in the I-League. I love it. Uh, with one of those teams there or... Um, or maybe uh, some of the smaller leagues in uh, in Malaysia, Mal- in, sorry, in, in Asia, somewhat, some place like Malaysia, pays pretty good money. But uh, again, that that for me would be sad too, watching him uh, go to that level.
0: In terms of the uh, imports that have come to the A-League, is he the best? Borussia would be in that argument as well.
1: Yeah, well, look, I... I, I you know, I, I, I wasn't calling for Brisch to play for Australia before I was calling for Breusche to play for Australia because I think Breusche has played 1B international or something for Germany. And I would have loved to have seen someone like him in, his, in, his, in the height of his playing at Brisbane in the Australian team. Uh, for me, he, he, he mesmerised me when he was playing at his best for Brisbane in those great teams under Ange. So for me, I think Breusche is certainly up there, if, if not the best, in the best two or three. Yeah, he's my favourite. Yeah.
0: At his best. In those those teams that were running yeah. right at, at, uh, in five or six years ago, there was nothing better than watching him open up defences with his yeah. passing years. Unbelievable. So uh, let's hope he has a, a good final series. Uh, coming the other way, John Terry is, uh, <laughs> has announced that he's playing his last season at Chelsea. Now, can
1: we do a committee room uh, scenario I here? Like the where, boardroom. Where, yeah, okay. You are Tony Piñata. Yep. Uh, now, I'm an agent. I'm Lou Sticker, the agent. Okay. Uh, now, Tony, we're great mates. I brought Del, Petro, yeah. uh, Del Piero over for you, and I've brought a whole lot of cl- great players. I've got Johnny Terry on my books. Uh, look, it's a cool £20 million a year, uh, the wage, because that's what he's going to get over in China. Tony, what do you think?
0: Uh, give me time to change the locks <laughs> so that I can secure everything and he doesn't try to hock it off. And no uh, – Look, I I can't, Lou, I can't in conscious hire <laughs> John Terry because he's a defender first and foremost, yeah. and, and our our Marquee players need to be goal scorers and stars, not 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 defenders. And I'm, I apologise to the defenders' union out there, but you've got to know your place in the world, and you ain't it.
1: Yeah, no. Look, I I understand that completely, and uh, I'll just hock him off to Central Coast Mariners. <laughs> now, so. half of our fans <laughs> hate Chelsea, and
0: that would not bear the idea of John Terry coming to Australia.
1: Yeah. I look, I, for me. You know, you don't spend your marquee money on on a central defender. It doesn't matter how good they are. You've they've got to be you know players who can thrill the crowd, score goals. Um, you know, they're, they're the players for me that, that bring people through the turnstiles, and that they're the that's the criteria I use for marquee players.
0: John Terry's career has been amazing. 14 major trophies. So okay, he's played more games for Chelsea than anyone else. I think. But he'll be remembered for one thing, and what is that,
1: Carlos? <laughs> well, yeah, well it depends on what one thing you're talking about. But if we're talking about the Wayne Carey type, uh, no, 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 It's no. a footballing thing. Oh, a footballing thing. Is it where he's wearing the strip when he wasn't even playing? That's our man. Yeah. So at the,
0: well, at the Champions League final in, in Moscow, when they won on penalties, he wasn't playing because he was suspended. But he yeah. went downstairs, got changed into his full kit, and got up on the podium and accepted the trophy. And accepted, didn't he? The trophy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that he could be photographed in his full kit. Yeah. So, I still find that amazing. Yeah. Well, look, I, look,
1: I, I don't think i Because I think he was sitting there in his kit the whole time. Was he? Yeah, I think he was ready to jump on and celebrate with the players anyway. Uh, so... Just trying to rewrite history yeah, a little bit. Yeah, because we've, like we've had a few other players who have done that also. Um, and they wasn't so obvious that they, oh. uh, they needed to get their photo taken. But, uh, but he, certainly the way he carried on, it was like he'd played the game and won it for them. He wanted, a, he yeah. wanted
0: the best on ground medal. He wanted the match, <laughs> man, man of the match medal. Oh, there you go. So John Terry retiring um, and Chelsea faltering too, must be said.
1: Yeah, but if you look at their last four games, I think they've got four or five games. They're all mid-table teams, uh, none in the top six. So they're fine. I mean, okay, Manchester United played a great game to beat them. They outplayed them at Old Trafford and, uh, you know, uh, Rashford up the front. He's a star, that kid, Marcus Rashford. And uh, I think they had uh, Jesse Lingard also playing up front. The, the mobility of those two really almost, uh, you know, destroyed Chelsea in the back half there. So, uh, yeah, Conte outcoached by Jose Mourinho. And, um, but, look, there's no way... Chelsea will lose the league. I think that their last five games aren't going to test them. They'll be fine.
0: Uh, And in Champions League action tomorrow, Barcelona against Juventus. Juventus have a three-goal advantage going off to the Camp Nou. Will that be enough?
1: No chance. No chance for Barcelona to beat Juventus, an Italian team. Um, Again, we talked last year that everyone has uh, sent centre half stopper uh, DNA who was born in Italy. And uh, these guys are born to do this, and there's no way that uh, Barcelona is going to win that game tomorrow. And, Mon-
0: and Monaco hosts uh, Borussia Dortmund. The yeah. Second leg of that game that was delayed and has been uh, much talked about because of the fact that uh, the Dortmund players felt they were press ganged into playing after that uh, terrorist attack.
1: Yeah. Look, Monaco is such a great team. They've got some great players. Uh, it, it's going to be. A, it, I'm really, really curious about how Dortmund's going to front up to this game because they felt last week because they were asked to play 24 hours after that uh, bomb blast that, that uh, that's certainly stymied what they were going to be you know, producing on the field. And they feel now that they're in a better state of mind. So, But they're away from home, and Monaco is a really good team.
0: And just to finish, uh, in proof that you are never out of a job for very long in football, guess he has been reappointed to another coaching job?
1: Harry Rednatt. There you go. Yeah, but Birmingham City's got three games to turn them around. Unbelievable. <laughs> <Yeah>. just, uh, <laughs> I mean, but didn't he take Harry's uh, uh, back in the last yes. twelve months? He, he wasn't he the manager of Jordan also the national team of Jordan, and uh, and I think wasn't he a consultant to the Central Coast Mariners? I think this is uh, it's just a just the Harry Red that we love, we know we love
0: you, Harry Magic. Harry's back. Good on you, thanks, Carlos. Thanks, mate.